What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Ebb and Flow podcast. It's me, ex-NFLer turned yogi Eben Britton. It's excellent to be with you guys on this magnificent day we have before us. I hope this finds you standing in your highest greatness for the greatest good of the universe. So today's episode is another smoker. We're going deep into mindfulness and meditation with my brother Tom Cronin. Tom has just released a new film titled The Portal, which is, I'm not even sure how to explain it. It is a complete mind-blowing experience into the deeper realms of the self. It's an exploration of meditation, of mindfulness, the path forward through the chaos in which humanity may save itself, may save this planet. There is a link to watch the film in the show notes. I highly encourage you to check it out. This conversation goes from the, something I talk about frequently, at least over the last few months, something that's been occurring to me. Our the, the human species whole whole identification system through the mind, getting out of that paradigm and diving deeper into the heart. And he says even deeper than that, into the root. We need to tap back into our purpose, into our truth as a species. We talk about TM, Transcendental Meditation. We talk about experiences he's had with indigenous people around the world. We talk about the film. We talk about the importance of meditation dropping down to the bottom of the ocean and what that's like. I think you guys will really enjoy it. I love this conversation. I love Tom, another soul brother. We're building the soul tribe here, y'all. If you're down with it, get on the train. If you're not, well, there's plenty of other things for you to be in interested in and involved with. Before I send you off to enjoy this episode, remember always, if you're interested in fantastic mushroom supplements, head over to wake.net. That link will be in the show notes as well. They've got lion's mane, cordyceps, reishi, turkey tail, the comprehensive health blend. Across the board, man, it's incredible for your overall well-being. These are ancient adaptogenic substances that help you stay in homeostasis. Great for cognitive function, great for digestive health, great for your immune system. Very powerful and important. So that's about it. Lots of love to you guys. I hope you have an excellent rest of your day, powerful rest of your week, and I'll see y'all on the flip side. Enjoy. You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source, the key of imagination, your admission, access to the enlightened dimension, a gateway at the junction of darkness and light, the place at which the chaos of our conditioned frame of mind give way to a life in constant flux, only to be mastered through vigilant discipline. Peaceful times may come, testing times may go. This is the ebb and flow.
What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Ebb and Flow podcast. It's excellent to be with you on this magnificent day. Have a fantastic guest, Tom Cronin. It's great to have you here, man. Thank you so much for joining. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me along. Absolutely, man. Well, jumping right into it, your new film titled The Portal looks absolutely mind-blowing. I had a chance to watch the trailer and... Uh, to put it plainly, you've tapped into something that I've come to realize that maybe the most important thing for humanity at this stage is to become more mindful, to tap into the deeper truths of ourselves as individuals and the deeper truths of the world we find ourselves in. So I'm stoked to get into it. I know you are a meditation master for lack of a better term. And uh, what inspired you to make this film? No, I had a very difficult time in my life as experiencing a lot of you know, addictions, uh, anxiety, depression, and um, was really struggling with direction and feeling quite lost. And I discovered meditation at that time and it was just transformational for me. It was like everything that I was looking for in all the partying and the drinking and the drugs and the mm. work and the money and the discontent that I was still suffering with, even though I had all of that, all the things we were looking for, there was a deep emptiness and loss and lack. And then I found meditation and I was like, ah, this is what I've been looking for. And it wasn't necessarily the meditation that I was looking for, as what the meditation was taking me through too. Mm. And the film and the book's called The Portal because the portal is the route through something to a destination. And there's lots of different routes to that destination. That's that state of connection to, some could say, the divine or God or spirituality or your own deeper sense of you beyond ego. And it's just that I found a technique that really helped me get there. And this transcending style meditation gave me an experience of something so deep and so vast and non-changing and blissful that it was like, oh, this is what this is all about. Mm. And so then what I realized, this was in 1996, it's like, why isn't everyone doing this? Why is this not part of our mainstream experience? And so then I felt very compelled and impulsed to bring about messages to help people have this experience as well. And the film became part of that as a medium that would help people be able to know more about what's possible. And, um, you know, there's lots of different ways we can get this message out to the world, but I found film was a good uh, format. And this was after the... Um, the secret had come out and the secret managed to take mm. the law of attraction, a very esoteric subject, mm. and make it incredibly mainstream. So that was what really started the journey of making this film. I love that, man. It, you know, you, everything you said resonates with me on so many levels. I played pro football and from the time I was about seven or eight years old when the seed of playing in the NFL was planted in my mind's eye 
as a little kid and I, I was at my grandparents' house in Connecticut and I'm watching the news and the sports segment comes on and it's the Jets and the Giants in training camp and I thought to myself in that moment, that's who I want to be when I grow up. That's what I want to do. And for me, my childhood was very much steeped in darkness. There was a lot of alcoholism, a lot of physical abuse. And in my child, my little boy self, I saw this as my way out to transcend my circumstances. My mom would never let me play. Finally, my freshman year of high school, she lets me play. And from that moment, I was gifted with a, with a physical body built to wreak havoc and to take it. And I was, I sort of, I had the perfect combination to become a professional football player. All I really had to do was put the work in. And so from the time I stepped on that football field, it was a rocket ship trajectory to the top of this mountain of playing in the NFL. And I got there and I achieved this dream finally. And I had all the money I could have ever asked for. I mean, my freshman year coaches were telling me, Ev, if you do everything right, you work really hard, you get good grades, you do all the things you're supposed to do, you'll be able to buy your mom a house one day, you'll be able to take care of everybody, you'll have everything you've ever dreamed of. And here I was having achieved that dream, having all the money, all the access, the house, the car, all the stuff, and there was still this hole in my soul. I still hadn't filled the void, and I here I was, I thought that achieving this dream was gonna give me everything. And I fell into, you know, addiction to alcohol and drugs and the constant um, external seeking that many of us fall into because that's sort of the that's the the world we've been brought up in this materialist western civilization and the success we are not successful human beings unless everyone around us views us as successful through the money we have or the status or whatever it is and I was so brought to my knees in misery and discontent and unfulfillment through, through this portal of having achieved this dream. And I came out of my career completely physically, uh, emotionally and spiritually destroyed because I had spent my life. Football wasn't really something my heart was calling me to do football was this vehicle to prove to the world how big and scary and to be feared i was and i literally destroyed myself in the process of proving that to everyone and also coming to the realization that there was never enough of that i could never prove to the entire world how big and scary i was because there's always someone who wouldn't know who i was or wouldn't care most people don't even care and for me, a couple years out, out of retirement, my entire life is falling apart. My relationship with my wife, my marriage is just disintegrating before my eyes. I have no idea who I am, what I'm supposed to do with my life, how to relate to anyone, because for so long, my entire life was about relating to people from the standpoint of being the superstar athlete. And by the grace of God, I found myself in therapy and a therapist said to me, Eb, why don't you try meditation? And for years, my brother had said to me, Eb, you should try meditation. I, I had the typical, oh, fuck that, man. I don't have time for that. 
you know, that so many of us Westerners respond to anyone telling us to try meditation. And I was just completely surrendered to my life, the chaos of my life. I, I was, as I've put it, I was looking up at this thousand foot wall and there was nowhere else to go for me. You know, I literally, the last conversation I had with my wife before finding myself in therapy was, I'm going to kill myself or I'm going to kill somebody, you know, and her being brought to tears, not knowing what to do with me, me not knowing what to do with myself, you know, the universe works in mysterious ways. There I was in therapy and a therapist is going, yeah, try meditation. And I said, okay, finally, you know, brought to completely brought to my knees and it started so small. You know, it started with three minutes, five minutes doing, just putting on these guided meditations and walking. And I started to touch that place of myself. Like you talk about the source of everything inside of me that I had never experienced before. This, this eternal infinite space of bliss and, uh, love and compassion and pure joy. And I began, I started on the slow, tedious, long healing process. That was just an utter necessity for me at that time. And meditation since that was five years ago. And here I am, I've, I meditate every single day. And it's such an important part. And, and I would say that, you know, my meditation practice has transformed me in ways I could have never even thought were possible in unimaginable ways. I mean, my brother looks at me these days and, you know, we grew up thick as thieves, as tight as can be, and also fighting like dogs. And my brother looks at me frequently now and goes, Eb, you're not even the same person. You know, I had so much rage and so much anger in me and I had so much to prove to the world. And really, at the end of the day, like you say, Tom, it all came down to me never taking a moment to acknowledge myself and this thing deep inside, all the energy and the movement that was happening inside of me, always finding a way to turn away or avoid the feelings or not allow myself to experience anything because, Eb, why are you angry? You shouldn't be angry. Don't be angry. Don't be sad, Eb. You know, and meditation has given me this unimaginable grace of being able to experience the wholeness of my humanity and and what a gift that has been and watching your trailer was so inspiring because to me my life purpose has really become about sharing my experience the pain and the trauma that i've put myself through that i've wreaked on the world around me and my relationships um and the healing I've experienced through that and how I've gotten to those things and the tools I've used, meditation, breath work, movement, getting my nutrition right, all of that stuff, really mindfulness, you know. And your film, watching the trailer, I really connected with the military veteran character in there. I think that's so powerful. And it occurred to me watching the trailer of your film, The Portal, this is, this is the when we really boil it down, this is what the world needs. You know, this is what we're in dire need of that, that can really solve all the issues. Because when we slow the fuck down, because we're so wrapped up in the, 
in the emails and the social media and the external happenings of the world that rarely do we ever take a moment to just stop and breathe for two seconds, you know? And so to start cultivating mindfulness on a global scale, that, that, uh, that will have a profound impact. Yeah. You know, if we look at the world and we touch on this in the trailer, but more so in the film and the book that, we can trace all of the world's problems back to humans. And when we identify it as humans as the problem, then we look at what part of the human is it really coming from. And it's from the mind, mm. the choices we make, the way we see the world, the way we relate to the world. And so the way I, I saw the best way to address these problems is to address the human mind and the, and the disconnect that most of us struggle with and so for me my motivation was just to get people meditating if we had seven billion people meditating mm. every day tomorrow it wouldn't be a perfect world but would be on a journey towards a better world and i know that my life and who i am i'm not perfect but i've become a better person since i started meditating and i by the sounds of it so have you yep. And a lot of what meditation does is that it it frees us of the shackles of the influence of the past. We call this state in Sanskrit moksha, M-O-K-S-H-A, mm. which is freedom from the binding effect of life. So if you had a very traumatic childhood that is affecting you when you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s with the decisions you're making, that's not moksha. That's bondage, mm. where something that happened to you when you were five is affecting you when you're 50, that's bondage. You're trapped, you're hijacked, and your life has been stolen by your past. Mm. Now, it doesn't have to be that way. And what you've expressed through your personal journey is that it doesn't have to be bondage. You can be free yeah. of the influence of the past. And that's what moksha is. And we all have that ability to liberate ourselves from the coding, the conditioning, the indoctrination of not just this lifetime, but many previous generations of coding that have come down through us. And when we start meditating regularly, we start to get this freedom from that and we start to live in a truth of this moment, this truth that's not influenced by generations of political persuasions or social persuasions or cultural persuasions and some of the stuff that's still happening in the world today is so deeply coded and so wrong <laughs> and that's what meditation can help us free ourselves from absolutely i, I love that breakdown moksha um and bondage it's so true i i've had this experience lately where it has occurred to me how identified in the mind we have become. We're so identified in the mind. And this thing keeps coming to me, this, uh, from the ether, uh, you know, uh, I get a lot of these insights. And, and I have to say, it's all, it's all as a result of meditation and getting quiet and getting still, that I have access to this, this infinite wisdom that is not really me you know it has it's beyond me and my understanding but this thing keeps coming to me of get out of the mind and into the heart and i'm curious tom b 
because I've asked myself this question and maybe, you know, maybe the question is moot. Maybe it doesn't even really matter, but how did we get so identified in the mind and so reliant on our intellect and, and living out of the heart, not living in the heart? How did we get here? It's such a great question and it's actually a lot of the work I've been doing with my clients lately. We've morphed over many thousands of years, but more so literally in the last 20 into a very cerebral culture. We emphasize so much about thinking, our emails, our social media, our investments, our strategies, our podcasts. Uh, it's just constantly this part of the body. Uh, it's where we really just emphasize every aspect of our life. Mm. And the analogy I use for my clients is like, it's like getting a toothpaste tube and we're squeezing everything all the way up to the top and it's just all here. Yeah. <laughs> and interestingly, you mentioned moving back to the heart. What we also need to do is move down into the root chakra. Mm. That's the, the, the base around the, uh, the, the, I guess some call it the perineum or the pelvic floor mm. or the, the, you know, the bottom of the torso. Mm. And what I get my clients to do is to when they're doing their meditations, at the end of the meditation, energetically imagine all your energy going down to the root because the root's all about safety, security, connecting to earth mm. and feeling a sense of uh, union with Gaia, Mother Earth. And we've become very disconnected from that, which is why we have a lot of anxiety in our world. And you, I spend a bit of time with the beautiful traditional landowners, uh, the Tiwi people on an island north of Australia called Bathurst Island. And it's a very remote and traditional way of living for a lot of the, um, the you know, traditional landowners here in Australia. When I was there, what was really interesting, they spent a lot of time sitting on earth, mm. just sitting around campfires. And they're not in phones. They're not reading newspapers. Yeah. They're not coming up <laughs> with marketing plans. <laughs> they're not trying to, you know, grow their followers. They're just sitting in this beautiful serenity with earth. And that's been done for 10,000, 20,000, 40,000 years. Mm. But in the last 20 years, when we got these phones, it's you look at someone in a uh, on a bus look at a, the audience you know walk along the street or standing in a queue waiting for a bus it's just we can't get out of them and so we've just put all of our energy all of our attention into thinking and that's why we've got so many of the world's problems happening right now we need to have less thinking and more being mm. that's so great man that's such a great expansion on it i i that that makes so much sense to even bring it down deeper into the root chakra, you know, because we're so, I mean, even no one knows what their purpose is. No one knows what they're doing here. <laughs> we're like, we're like meteors flying through the atmosphere with no idea of what our destination is, our purpose, who we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to do other than what the culture, the society, our upbringing, our conditioning, all of that has, has taught us to be. Um, and I love that. I love that, that idea. And that's so profound that of course the, 
the indigenous people are all connected to the earth and spend so much time just being in it, you know, rather than on their phone or trying to figure out the next business model or whatever it might be. Um, that's amazing. Uh, and so I'm curious, what, what was your journey with meditation? Cause I look at myself as I view myself as a portal, if you will, for the layman, the, the alpha male in this society who is disconnected from himself, but also feels that thing happening, feel is feeling that movement, the, the world that they've built around themselves, the practice that they've utilized to make themselves feel whole or not sustaining them any longer. And they're feeling like they need to move into something else. So I really view myself as, as a, as a bridge to start people on their process, to bring the spirituality down to the ground floor and say, this is where you kind of can begin. This is, these are some, some tools, some keys to opening the door for yourself. Because I think at the end of the day, like you said, there's a million ways to, there's a million paths to the top of the mountain. You know, there's no really right way about it. And we're all on our own path in our own unique time. And it doesn't really do anyone any good to shake them out of their slumber and say, wake up. You know, that doesn't really do any good for anyone. Um, so I really say, I offer to people, Hey, just start with five minutes, you know, give yourself five minutes of sitting still, getting quiet, listening to your breath. And then you can start from there, but at least with five minutes of really focused attention, tapping into your breath, tuning into yourself, getting quiet, you can get a, a taste. You could just get a little taste of that place inside yourself. Um, so what for you, when you're, whether it's working with clients or even on your own, your own individual journey, what was your process and your evolution of your meditation practice to what it is now? I'd love to hear more about what you do now as well. Yeah, thanks. It was really interesting because where I started is where I am today. And that was 25 mm. years ago that I started to meditate. And look, I initially did do some research and different techniques. And, you know, I'm a very sort of alpha male, like, okay, I'm going to get right. this meditation thing happening and I'm going to work it out. <laughs> yeah. um, so I did my research and tried all these different techniques and explored different ways to do it. And what I was looking for was a technique that was going to be accessible, something that I wanted to do that was enjoyable and that was effective. I wanted to have identifiable results quite quickly. It's like, if I'm going to do this, I want yeah. it to work. <laughs> so I tried a lot of different techniques, you know, the chakra clearings and gratitude and visualizations and breath work and all sorts of stuff. And it was not until I came across this transcending style mm. meditation, which is effectively transcendental meditation or Vedic mm. meditation, I guess, Deepak Chopra's primordial sound technique, where there's a particular sound. These are called Bij mantras, B-I-J-A. And a mantra, a Bish mantra, takes the mind from the surface level of thought into the state of transcendence. Mm. Now, to transcend means to go beyond. That is, to go beyond thinking, beyond feeling, and then beyond the limits of a physical apparatus. That's your body. 
So someone would say, well, who are you if you're not thinking, feeling, or having a body? And that's what we've got to start exploring as a species. That's what my motivation is with the film and the book. We need to access that part of us that's not the thoughts, the feelings, or the body. Mm. Because that's egoic, individualized, narcissistic yeah. sort of identification with the, with the yeah. I. When we transcend that, we experience what's called in Sanskrit Turiya, T-U-R-I-Y-A. Turiya means the fourth in Sanskrit, the fourth state. And in the Vedic tradition, it's considered thinking state, deep sleep, which is an unconscious state, then dream state, and then the fourth state being Turiya. But it can also imply the physical, the mental, the emotional, and then the fourth state, which would some would say spirit. So without that experience of experiencing us beyond physical form, mental form, and emotional form, there's a lack, there's a disconnect, and that's what we're looking for in the drugs they're drinking, even yes. our religions. So we need to get beyond that, that limitation of our, our impermanence. Physical, mental, and emotional bodies are impermanence and experience the permanence, the, the unboundedness, the formless, and the, the beauty and richness of, of what is Turiya, which is this part of us that's spirit. Mm. And so I started with that technique 25 years ago. You sit for 20 minutes, you get a mantra, you repeat that over and over again, and then 20 minutes later, you come out, and then you go out and do your daily experience. And today I still do the same practice. I did it this morning when I woke up. It's just the, the mantras evolved a little bit with a teacher, but the technique is still 20 minutes, close the eyes, repeat the mantra, and then get up and go about your mm. day. Now the mantra... What happens is the evolution isn't so much the technique. What the evolution is is the deepening of the experience through the technique and the stabilization of that Turiya state over time. I love that. And the mantra is really a mechanism by which to switch the mind off, essentially, or to, to de or to retract the mind. I, I would go a little bit further and refine that. The mind doesn't really switch off. I mean, mm, in deep right, sleep, it right. switches off. It, w what the mind does is that it, it, it moves from one place. So imagine the ocean where it's constantly fluctuating. Mm-hmm on the surface and there's peaks and troughs, peaks and troughs, peaks and troughs. That's the mind thinking. If we transcend the surface of the ocean and we go to the depths of the ocean, we find stillness. Hmm. There's just quietness there. It's still all ocean. It's just having a different uh, yes. expression. And so the mind has surface, which is thinking, and it has depth, which is stillness. It's still mind. Yes. It's just the varying uh, expression or state. And so the mantra takes the mind from the surface where it's thinking to the depths where it's quiet. I love that. I think that's so important because wouldn't you say it's been my experience? I know it was my experience pre-meditation or as I began my journey meditating and like you, I was like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to meditate, you know, <laughs> and, uh, I think for many people, the idea of meditation is that I'm going to meditate and I'm going to learn how to stop this thing from thinking. 
and I'm going to, I'm going to quiet my mind down so much, or even I'm going to transcend this experience that I would call being Eben or whatever. And it's really not the case, you know, because your mind is wired and built to think and analyze and figure out and do all of these things that to keep us alive and, uh, analyze data and, and intellectualize and figure out and think about our day and all of these things. And there's really no escaping that ever. It's just like what you said. It's like learning how to observe all of that and go below it and transcend or transcend it or, you know, go deeper into the self. It's interesting too. I've found, and a lot of the, the spiritual gurus talk about this, the higher you go, the more you transcend the, the um, you know, sort of superficial self, the deeper you go as well. And I love that dichotomy, as above, so below. As the tree reaches higher and higher to the sun, the roots go deeper and deeper into the earth. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's a great analogy, the tree one. It's really what this experience is all about. And the lack that we have in humanity currently is because we're searching for something in places that it doesn't exist. Right. This is the ultimate foolishness to continue to seek in a place where you can't find what you're looking for. And we need to start going inward to that silence and stillness and find the bliss, the love, the beauty of who we are in that place, not in a shopping mall and not in an Instagram following. And it's so, not there. It's not there. I, I looked. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. I keep looking. It's not there. <laughs> and so this is this is my my motivation is to help people to connect with what's part of them already. It's mm. like the surface of the ocean is always going to be fluctuating, but there's more and it's not in the busyness of the world, it's in the quietness inside of us. Mm. And meditation is just one of the gateways there. You know, there's lots of other pathways there, like you said, but uh, for me, this was the most effective and the one that I was trained in. So that's what I work on helping people get there. I love it. I love that. So if someone is interested in, say someone feels really called to TM or you, you've called it, you tr call it transcending star meditation. Trans transcending style. Transcending style. Okay. Yeah. TM's the brand. Right, it's right, a, right. A trademark technique. And TM was started by Mahesh Mar Maharishi. Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. Look, Maharishi was definitely integral in bringing that particular style uh -huh. of meditation to the West. However, the technique itself has been around for thousands of years right, and it's been right. in various, you know, modifications even prior to Maharishi. Uh, it's just that he played an integral role in bridging that gap from it being in the Himalayan mountains right. to America. And then from there, it started to spread like wildfire. But even then, you know, today we're seeing evolutions of that as well. Um, you know, we've, we've taken that into a more modified version, enabling people around the world to be able to access it because it's very inaccessible for most people. It's expensive and it can only be taught right. in person by the teacher. And they're usually the teachers are in cool places like Venice Beach and Santa Monica. <laughs> yeah. And so 
the people in Mexico or, you know, Venezuela or the housing estates of Sheffield, England might not be able to access it for a few reasons. So the big question we're looking at is how do we, yes, how do we get that into a, a way that the world can access it yes. and make this profound pathway to, you know, bliss within ourselves accessible to the world. And that's yeah. what we're exploring now. That that was my next question because everyone I know who has been called to TM or found themselves in that that space of meditation, you get your mantra from a teacher. So if for someone who is called to that, who that sounds like they're uh, a, a, an interesting pathway into beginning their meditation journey, what would you suggest? Like, how are you going about answering that question of getting it to, you know, the people who don't necessarily have access to maybe a, 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 a trendy, I don't want to use trendy because I think it's still, it's obviously still super profound and necessary, but you know, you're right. Say affluent, affluent, um, you know, Institute, or I know like David Lynch has his, uh, foundation in Hollywood where they'll, it's all a TM, uh, based, um, organization. So for someone who doesn't have access to that, how do you go about beginning your TM journey? Yeah. Uh, look, my first recommendation is always to find a teacher in your local area and, and not to just say TM's the only way. It's just a very efficient technique. Sure. There's Vedic meditation, primordial sound technique. Art of Living has a very similar model. But to ideally learn in person with a teacher, it's like, you know, if you want to see Red Hot Chili Peppers in concert, <laughs> it's better to actually be there live, you know, yeah. if you can, yeah. um, you know, a Coachella or something. But if you can't get there and you can't afford a ticket, then look at other ways that you can have that similar experience. So we, what we've done is we've, Firstly, recommend find a teacher if you can in your area and if you can afford it and if you've got the time and the locality. If that's not a possibility, what we're doing is, um, you know, disrupting that model and to some respects and, and, and giving accessibility to people through an online program, mm. which I currently have on my website and we'll be launching a, a, a new branded version and new model of that with the film when the film comes out. Amazing. And that way, you know, we've, we've got people around the world that now. I had a woman on an island north of Finland that sees sunlight very briefly, you know, each day. What a trip. And she said, I found your program and it has literally changed my life mm. because I can find peace here in this place where I could never find it before. Mm. And that brought so much joy to me because, you know, I was quite challenged by this idea of, disrupting an ancient technique that's been done in a particular mm. way for thousands of years but that was grappling with but the world is different now yeah and people need support more than ever and i'm really grappling still to this day it was like ah oh, you know the need of the people and then the need to preserve a tradition can you talk about that because i know it's it's one of those things where for instance uh, a, a TM practitioner never shares their mantra. So 
talk about that because I totally that that really resonates with me. Um, I found a lot of healing in plant medicine as well, ayahuasca, DMT, psilocybin, and there's a very similar preservation of the medicine and a respect and, and a sacredness around it. That being said, though, right now where humans are in such a spiritual and emotional crisis um, that I believe is becoming more and more obvious by the, by the moment, these plants themselves are emerging into the mainstream ethos. And I think things like TM and meditation are, are really emerging because the, the universal intelligence recognizing is recognizing or recognizes, because it's all one thing, of course, that humans are just in dire need of, of opening this doorway to, into themselves. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about that? Like, what is that? Um, what is, where does that preservation of the tradition come from? How did that sort of begin? And, and I guess it's, in upholding its sacredness, but also, like you say, recognizing the time we're in and people in, are really in, in need. It's a necessity to bring these things into the fold. Such a good question. And I love that you bring in plant medicine because that was done in a particular traditional way for thousands of years, thousands yeah. of years, you know, tribal people living in the you know remote regions of South America doing something yep. in a particular way. But that was a very profound practice that gave insight and access to it's it's another portal, access yes. to this aspect of our truth. Now we're living in what's considered in Vedic philosophy, Kali Yuga. Right. Yuga is a period of time. It's where we get our word year. And Kali is ignorance. An era mm. of ignorance. That's why we've got so much suffering on our planet. We're we're ignoring what's essentially true. We're ex we're ignoring spirit. We're ignoring ignoring this aspect of us beyond physical, mental, and emotional body that we talked about. And what lies beyond Kali Yuga, and you can go to Wikipedia and search all of this. You can find it. Yes. There's some wonderful um, information about this. What lies beyond Kali Yuga is an era called Sat Yuga, S A T. Sat means bliss or knowledge. Yes. And this is the pathway forward and the possibility for not just humans but for the planet a more enlightened experience where there's a deeper sense of balance and integration not just with humans and other humans where we transcend these religious political social cultural differences and start to realize that we're actually <laughs> we're all one species <laughs> yes. it's kind of crazy that we're fighting against each other because you have a little bit of a different look Yes. And then then the harmony of humans coming together, but then the harmony of humans and the planet coming together. And there's a massive disconnect, hmm. which you don't see in some of these traditional tribal patterns and or lifestyles. Right. And they use tools to enable them to have this greater experience. And if we want to get to Sat Yuga out of Kali Yuga, then we need to on mass have access to those tools mm. and that's why the traditional yes. landowners of these places like this south america they cognized hey guys we can't keep this just for ourselves we've got to invite and let people experience this mm. we have to get this to the world and you know now there's what i'm hearing is um some really exciting ways to 
mainstream this experience of the plant medicine for the masses. Now that's going to disrupt the current model, right? You know, no question. Living in the in the <laughs> Amazonian jungles, and you know, getting the root and boiling the water and being in ceremony and all that sort of stuff. For for the world to have this experience, just as it is with a transcending meditation technique, that model has to change. Mm. So the question is, how much do we get, you know, rigid in the preservation of the old model? Or how do we adapt this so that we can shift humanity forward? Because I don't think humanity can actually shift forward out of Kali Yuga until we embrace some of these ancient techniques that have been around for us yes. for thousands of years. Mm. I love that, Tom. I love that you're talking about the Kali Yuga. And I love hearing that about the Sat Yuga. These are things that I've been very much tuning into myself over the last couple of years in particular. Um, and it's profound. And I think you, 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 you know, connected the dots so beautifully there with talking about how these, these ancient practices are coming back into the fold because it's really our only way. It's our only way through to the next thing. I think we're realizing more and more all the time that our current practices, lifestyle choices are just not sustainable for the, for, for the long haul of humanity or the, 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 the grand progression of humanity and evolution of where, what we, I guess what, you know, because it's also like, this is all, like you said, these are ancient practices. This is nothing new. Like human beings have it's been vitally important for us to be connected to the source of our environment of ourselves from time immemorial. You know, I mean, it's vitally important that we're connected socially. It's vitally important that we have a deep connection with ourself and our, the energy that moves through us. It's vitally important that we're connected to the planet and the environment we find ourselves in, you know, and through, and I think this is an interesting thing to grapple with is how, you know, Western civilization, the industrialization of, of human beings, there's a lot of good that's come with that. You know, there's a lot of comforts that were never imaginable, but at the same time, the toll that it's also taken with disconnecting us from the base level fundamental necessities of of us having the greatest experience of our humanity um and i'm curious your your feelings on that can we keep the can we keep the civilization but also go into go through this spiritual evolution that seems to be without question uh, a necessity at this stage what a great question. We don't have a choice. Yeah. We have to. Yeah. We are very innovative, adaptable, and creative. We can build an AI that writes books now. Right. We can put a little remote control car on Mars. <laughs> and yet, at the same time, we can integrate you know, traditional Amazonian practices and traditional Vedic practices into daily life. 
we have to bring those two worlds together. This is the mm. only way forward. And this is what we've got to start exploring. You know, Daniel Schmachtenberger, who was in the film, a great yeah, thinker. He, he's amazing. I love that you have he's him amazing. in the movie. Yeah, yeah, he's amazing. So prior to the film, in our opening discussion with him, just as we were closing a wonderful, wonderful, um, you know, I guess pre-interview, he looked at Jackie, the director, and myself, and he, he said, look, I invite you as makers of this film to invite your audiences, you know, to start contemplating what life looks like on an enlightened planet. Because currently there's no organization, there's no body, there's no think tank that is doing that. Yeah. And if we're not doing that, then how do we get there? And it's time for us collectively to start contemplating a vision of what does life look like on an enlightened planet when we have technology and wisdom, when we have, um, you know, a populated planet and knowledge and love and compassion? Mm. What does it look like when we have win-win systems that take into consideration the whales, the ocean, the air, the trees, the bees, and humans, and economics? Mm. And we don't have those systems available to us at the moment. No one's designed them. We don't have win-win economic models. We're starting to get glimpses of it, and we've got some people working on some platforms for it. But we still predominantly think, what can I get for me? And that's based around a structure of mental, physical, and emotional egoic identification. Mm. And it's not until we start transcending through a portal of meditation or plant medicine or whatever else you use that we start thinking, oh, but me is that. Right. I, I have it, an experience of interconnectedness, not just the knowledge of it and an intellectual concept, but an experience that that is me. And therefore, what I do has a ripple effect that affects that. So therefore, I must make decisions that takes into consideration that, which is me. And that could be oceans, bees, birds, trees, other humans, animals, and that's when we're going to start to see a very different paradigm for humanity and the planet. I love that. Uh, I think that's so. That's such an excellent practice to start visualizing that. What does that look like? The corporations, sure as hell, aren't going to do that for us. The politicians, they're like all of these these structures that loom over civil civilization. They really, you know call it what you will they benefit off of people being in a state of fear and they benefit off of people being divided you know unfortunately however that has come to be you know but i think that what you're saying is and what i believe as well is that when human beings recognize that we have this collective power to 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 create whatever future we want to inhabit and you start to think about that you know, we can do it, you know, and it's on us. It really is on us. It's on the, the global, the, the global collective to do that. Um, yeah, Daniel, sorry, just to add no. to that. Daniel said that our society is currently built and designed on a model that thrives with an unhappy and unhealthy society. 
which means you're dependent upon a medical pharmaceutical system right. and you're dependent upon a capitalistic consumeristic growth system. <laughs> so the economy can only thrive if it's growing, which means we must be consuming. So that's yes. why they keep building economic models so that we will consume more yes. and borrow more, which serves the very small portion of people at the top that are building that system. So they're not going to change the system when it yeah. suits them for it to be the way it is. And what we're going to see is media systems, health systems, educational systems, even political systems start to be rebuilt from the bottom up. Yes. And that's going to challenge the, the systems, the people who are built the current systems because it's going to undermine them. I totally agree. I, I see that all happening myself. It's already happening. Yeah, yeah, we're seeing media systems change where social media is giving power to the people. Absolutely. You know, crypto systems is taking power away from the, you know, fiat currency type model. And yep. so we're seeing it already, this under undercurrent of, of shift happening from the masses. Right. The decentralization of institutions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's powerful, man. It makes me feel really good. It, it, there's a lot of, I see a lot of light and hope. I mean, in this, you know, 2020, the year of the, the year of clarity of sight, you know, whether you were, <laughs> it was, it was a very a profound year, you know, it was a profound year and showing us exactly where we are you know, in the state of humanity and in many ways, politically, uh, the media structures, like you're saying, our education systems, our medical system, all of this stuff is it's been so fascinating. And it, you know, a lot of people are, I, I'm watching people I know, the culture, really, to me, it looks as though many people are in the death throes of clinging to whatever old identity they possibly can when we're really in a time of you know having to take a deep look at yourself and making a shift in what you know what you're going to do with your life and who you are as a human being and what that's going to look like it's powerful it's 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 like we're in in winter and we're trying to resist spring coming right right. i don't want spring to come yeah exactly <laughs> stop those leaves yeah. we're starting to sprout <laughs> the, the, i don't want the blossoms to come to stay in winter yes exactly <laughs> it's so fascinating spring's coming guys uh, yes i love that <laughs> just Tom. go with it i love that you know something else you said I, I think is really beautiful and it's it's been profound for me um I, I've had a really wonderful experience over the last probably three years of doing, um, a deep excavation of my family lineage. And it started with my grandmother sent me all of this information about my earliest American ancestor is this woman named Mary Bliss Parsons. And she came to America with her husband. His name was, uh, Cornette Joseph Parsons from, England. Um, and they settled a town in Massachusetts and there's a number of books written about her. She was on trial for witchcraft three times was a profound, um, you know, she was uh, for la for all intents and purposes. She was, uh, a nature worshiper, uh, deeply in tune with the energy of the world. And it scared the shit out of the people that she lived amongst. 
you know, the women hated her because they thought she was constantly seducing their husbands and making their children sick. There's stories of her going to farms and leaving and all the cattle would be dead and how her husband would have to lock her up at night because she would, you know, be in seance and, and, uh, she got off every time she lived to be in her eighties and the six, she came to the U S and, or, you know, um, the American, um, soil in 1640. And, uh, she had 11 kids, one of which was named Eben. He was killed in a battle with Indians at the age of 21. And they, t you know, everyone told her that was her karma for dealing with the devil. And, um, and really reading these books about her, she was just so rooted in this ancient esoteric knowledge. And I've, through my own understanding, I've traced her lineage back through the Druids and even further back than that, I believe the Druids were basically the Vikings who emigrated from uh, the, you know, the uh, Sweden and, and the, those, the Finnish Isles. Scandinavian. The Scandinavian, yes, exactly, over to the British Isle. And um, she talks about in, in these books, she talks about how these are, these are, it's sort of a collection of these old diary entries that she put and everything she talks about is basically the ancient hermetic alchemy. And, you know, it was really profound because I got to share that with my mother who she had no idea about that. And, and my aunt, who's my mom's twin sister. And my mom has always been naturally just a yogi she was she brought my brother and i up in the yogic tradition sort of intuitively and that was very influential in my life as an athlete and then sort of just my whole thinking of the world i mean even when i was a little in my teenage years i started having these thoughts of plant medicine ceremonies and engaging and i was always very interested in the unseen realms of the world and as I then, you know, coming out of my football career, found myself on this healing path, diving deep into plant medicine, and then these ancient traditions of South America, um, and the and the people of the Amazon, and learning about how they viewed the world and the structures by which they functioned, and then applying that to ancient Hermetic alchemy, and then applying that to ancient yogic tradition. It's amazing how it's all the same. It's all the same stuff, just put through a different lens, you know? And I think that's, you know, the, these are, these are sort of these people because they were so in tune and didn't have all of the distractions, they were so much more tuned into the natural laws of the universe and the laws by which, you know, balance is created that are inescapable, really, that we're fighting so hard against in western civilization and i just wanted to i i love that you brought that up the vedic and the and the ancient indigenous you know traditions of the indigenous people around the world i mean it's profound you know when you start to learn these things that you never learned in school yeah we you know it's we just either resist it or we don't resist it yeah you know we we disconnect from it or we connect to it and as you say it's been around for thousands of years um, and even in the sort of American culture of the, the witch sort of, you know, where that 
weren't recognized or, or respected. You know, if she was alive today, she'd probably have 250,000 yeah. followers on Instagram and three books published. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> totally. From retreats in Costa Rica. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's hilarious. <laughs> uh, it's amazing, man. Um, well, Tom, I, I appreciate you so much. And I think the work you're doing is so fantastic and profound. I'm stoked to watch your film. I can't wait. Um, before I let you go, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you, uh, when the, when the film, uh, when they can check out the film, the book also, I'd love to read the book. Uh, I'll, I'll reach out to your peeps about getting a copy if that's published already. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's on Amazon now. also tapping into your meditation we'll program. You yeah. You know, people can go to tomcronin.com or Tom Cronin Instagram. That's where I'm most of my time. I find that's a great platform for me to yes. get content out there. Um, but the, the film and the book is all accessed through the website, enter the portal as in enter E N T E R enter the portal and enter the portal.com and they'll find everything they, they want there. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, Tom, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you and your work. I think it's so necessary. That's great to be in, be able to have these conversations. You know, it's just, uh, it's joy for me to spend an hour having such a deep, rich conversation with someone that is open to this, this type of discussion. And, you know, you're doing great work as well to get this out to the world. And we see this multiplying effect. We've got podcasts now that we can, you know, you can be where you are. And I'm here in Sydney, Australia, and I'm about to have my breakfast and, you know, we, we can get this knowledge out to the world in a in a big way and inspire people all over the all over the world. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Um, all right, y'all. Well, I hope you guys got as much out of that conversation as I did. As always, I greatly appreciate your support. Um, to continue that support, you can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, rate it, review it, share it with your loved ones if something really resonates with you. I highly encourage you to spread the message. You can also check me out on Patreon. All of that will be in the show notes as well as where you can connect with Tom. Keep meditating, y'all. Keep tapping into that heart space. Lots of love to you guys. I'll see y'all on the flip side. Peace. <laughs>